Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Life is fragile. So handle with care. When you think about it, it's just as fragile at the end as it is at the beginning. But, of course, we're much more excited about the beginning and, you know, little babies that come into our lives. And they're so fragile. They need all this, all this tender, loving care. And from the very get-go, we began a struggle that will continue throughout our lifetime. And that struggle is, how do we communicate with one another? We begin talking to children before they can verbalize anything back. And we're so excited when we hear those first words. Usually what? (laughs) Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, mama, daddy, but no is certainly certainly right, right up there. At the other end, the words can be a little more colorful. Sometimes they're anticipated, sometimes they're not anticipated. Uh, Oscar Wilde, the, the writer, uh, famously said his last words were, uh, either that wallpaper goes or I go. Uh, I got a couple of these that I wrote down because they're just hilarious. Uh, James Rogers, who was a convicted murderer, faced a firing squad. And when he asked if he had any last request before dying, he said, could I have a bulletproof vest? Uh, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. General John Sedgwick. Anybody ever heard, heard of General John Sedgwick? Yeah, he was a Civil War general. Uh, for, the, for the North, and he died on the battlefield. And you know what? You, Patricia Sedgwick knows this guy. <laughs> we, sh- we shouldn't be surprised. His final words, do you know what they were? His final words were, they couldn't hit an elephant at this... Di- uh, Henry Ward Beecher... Uh, the father of Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uh, He was an evangelist and uh, and a pastor. His last words were, and now the mystery begins. Words are important throughout our lifetime. And James takes great pain to help us understand how important our words are. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the fourth chapter. We're going to finish up the fourth chapter today. We have a whole other chapter of James to go through. So we'll be in James for a few more weeks. But uh, uh, we'll finish up the fourth uh, chapter today. Uh, But he talks a lot about, and James, half-brother of Jesus, he's the leader of the church, the bishop of the church in Jerusalem, thoroughly Jewish, Uh, in his outlook, in his perspective, understanding uh, uh, the laws that God gave us and how we we are to live our lives, but also recognizing in Jesus, the Messiah, and so to be able to approach those laws with a measure of grace and learning how to love and to forgive one another. And then he goes on to talk about the importance of the tongue. 
and how the, 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 the tongue is such a small thing, but it makes such great, great, great boasting. And how important it is for us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we do the word with both our actions and our speech. And our speech, the words that we use, are ever so crucial. We can build people up with our words, or we can tear them down. Like toothpaste out of the tube, once you speak a word, it's out there. You cannot pull it back. And so James spends a lot of time talking about our language. And this is how he ties up this fourth chapter. Well, he didn't write it in chapters, but listen to what he says. Chapter 4, verse 11. Brothers, sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his or her brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good that he or she ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Words. Words we say about others, words that we say about ourselves. What do the words we say speak to others about how we view ourselves? Now, this had to have been a problem in the early church because James is addressing the brothers, the sisters, the fellow believers within the community. He is identifying with them. We are in this together, he says. And I'm telling you right now, don't slander others. How do we slander others? Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister judges him and speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. And there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who was able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor. 
I think that what James is saying here is that when we slander others, we are putting ourselves in God's position. Do you know what the most precious thing you hold in your hand is? One of the most precious things that you hold is the reputation of others. People were bad-mouthing each other in the early church. Oh, we don't do that anymore, do we? Nobody in the church does that. We never gossip about anybody, do we? Not even, not even those veiled, hey, you know what? I need you to pray for my brother because guess what he got caught doing? Which is just another way of gossiping. And nine times out of ten, when we hear stuff, we don't even know if it's true or not. And you know what? Today it doesn't matter. That's a terrible thing about where we are today because the accusation alone is enough to destroy anybody's reputation. All you have to do is allege a thing, and it takes on a life of its own. I don't know if any of you saw the, uh, saw the documentary, uh, The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that? Oh, my gosh. If you've not seen that, I encourage you to watch it. The Social Dilemma talks about the social media today and how it is polarizing the nation. And one of the ways that it's polarizing the nation is, is through clickbait. If you click on something, then it, it says, okay, this is something that that person is interested in. And so they start funneling that kind of stuff to you. And, and so the, the social media companies have an individual algorithm for each one of us. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, if, you're, if, you, if you go on the, on the internet and, and uh, they, they, they have these surveys every day, I look, I go to uh, msn.com and there's a survey every, every single day. I never fill out one of those surveys. They don't care what I think. They're building an algorithm on my interests. And it doesn't, and what they are, <laughs> here's another one. If you can't tell what the product is that's being sold, you're the product. That's right. If you can't tell what's being sold, you're the product. They are monetizing your time. And they don't care if it's true or not because it's just business. And false news travels six times faster than the truth. So if I want to keep you engaged, I'm going to feed you false information. So we hear this stuff and we go, oh, no, did you hear? Do you know? And the, and the reality is, is that what we hear, we don't know. And we have to be so careful with one another's reputations. When someone comes to me and says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? No, I'll go ask him. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I says, look, pastor confidentiality, you tell me anything about yourself, mum's the word, I won't tell another soul. But if you tell me something about somebody else, I'm going to go to them to find out if what you're telling me is true and to let them know that you're the one that's telling me. That's a great way to stop gossip, by the way. Or just turn around and walk away. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Because so much, we, 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 we just don't know. We don't know the full story behind what's being talked about. If you want to know, go to that person and ask them directly. And don't be surprised if they say to you, you know what? No disrespect, but it's none of your business. And I'll take that. I'll take that. Because my job is not to judge others. My job is to love others and to extend mercy and grace. Micah 6.8, what does the Lord require of us? But to do justice, to love mercy and walk humbly with God. 
And I love the way that James plays with that back and forth and the whole goal of being humble because God will lift up the humble. And the thing that we need to be very attentive with is one another's reputations. Never talk about someone without them being there to defend themselves. Unless you want to lift up a praise. Oh, you'll never regret, you'll never guess. This person did this wonderful thing. Well, that's, that, that, that's good. He said, well, wait a minute, wait, this whole judging thing. I get it. We make judgments every single day. Every single day, we're, we're making judgments. Uh, uh, I, several of you have commented on my spiffy tie this morning. The Hotel Dell. Uh, Jody puts it out, I put it on. <laughs> That's a judgment that I make every day. I have a closet filled with ties. I can go in there and I can put any tie I want on. But I, I make a judgment. I make a judgment about what I'm going to eat in the morning. We make judgment. When you, when you, you came, came to church this morning, if you came in a vehicle, you made, you made judgments to stop at stop signs. Thank you. We do make judgments every day. And we make discerning statements as well. But if you're concerned with a brother or a sister, if you're, if you're witnessing something about a brother or a sister that is causing you some concern, try this approach. Try coming alongside and saying, hey, I noticed this. Can you help me understand what's going on? Because we do need to support one another. We do need to encourage one another. We do need to build one another up. There's so much going on in our nation now where, where, where people are destroying things. How long it takes to destroy something? It takes minutes to destroy a lifetime worth of work. I hear these people that want to destroy the Constitution. They want to destroy, destroy the democracy of our nation. And I say, well, what are you going to replace it with? And they go, well, we'll figure that out when the time comes. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. In an instant, we can destroy what takes a lifetime to build. And it starts with the house of God. It starts with a community of believers. This is where we practice that. And as we practice that, hopefully what we are cultivating and developing is authentic community. And authentic community is what people find attractive. I, I, I want to know that I want to know that this is a place where, 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 I'm, where I'm safe, where, where I'm loved, where I can ask hard questions and know that I won't be ridiculed where I'm respected and given dignity for who I am as an image bearer created in the image of God, a brother and sister in Christ. As we cultivate that attitude among us, it can't help but overflow into the larger community. I want to be a part of a community that builds people up, that encourages them, that stretches them in ways that honor God and help us to live into the kingdom. I don't want to sit in judgment over, over an individual where God's judgment is the only one that belongs. I don't have that right. 
And James wants to make sure that we understand that we don't have that right. But we also don't have that right to stand in judgment over ourselves. Think about it for a minute. Sometimes we can get so cocky. We think we can do it all. Somebody said that their last words will probably be something like, well, rats, that didn't work the way I thought it would. Because we're so confident that we've got all the answers and that we can move forward. And James addresses that. He says, now listen, listen to you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. How fragile life really is. Mary Jane read for us uh, uh, from the Old Testament this morning, uh, talking about the span. To each is given a, a, a span of three score and ten, 70 years, some a little bit more. But you know what? We all know people that don't reach that number. I have a father-in-law pushing uh, 99. We're going to go see him in a couple of weeks. But we also have friends that have died at a very early age. The scripture tells us that all our days, before even one of them were written, before one of them were lived, were written in God's book. God knows us thoroughly and completely, and all of our days are ordained. And there's only one person who knows that. When I talk to people and they say, you know, I don't know that I have much, much, much time left to live. I've got this little fun thing that I do. Let me see the bottom of your foot. Why do you want to see the bottom of my foot? I want to see if there's an expiration date there. Check. Do you have an expiration date anywhere on your body? We just don't know. Only God knows. And so the challenge. Now, is, is James telling us here that it's not, it's not good to make money? Is James telling us here that it's not good to make plans and to move forward? No, he's not saying any of that. But what he is saying is that in life, approach it with a little bit of humility. Because at the end of the day, you don't know if you're going to have the end of the day. Only God knows that. Somebody once said that the goal of every believer it would be to uh, uh, plan as if you were going to live for a thousand years, but live each day as if it were your last. If you knew that today was your last day, what would you do differently? Hopefully the answer is nothing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't do anything differently. I seek to honor the Lord in everything that I do, everything that I say, how I live my life, the way I treat others, the way I look at myself. Because I know that life is fleeting. In the, in the, in the span of history, my life is a blip on the radar. I saw an illustration of a, a, a Francis Chan. Some of you know Francis Chan. Uh, he had a rope, and the rope was, a, I don't know, maybe it was uh, uh, 20, 30 feet long. 
And on one end of the rope, he had taken red tape and wrapped it around. He says, uh, that red tape represents your time here on earth. And then all this stuff is what comes next. And how is it that we spend so much time worrying about that two-inch segment when we have all eternity ahead of us? As you've heard me say many, many times, death is not a destination. It is a doorway, a doorway that each and every one of us will go through in God's timing, not ours. With that knowledge, realize that not only do you hold other people's reputations in your hand, you hold your own reputation in your hands as well. And how you hold it is revealed in the words that you use. To be a just person who loves mercy and walks humbly with God are words that flow easily off the, off the tongue. But to live them out, well, that can be a little greater challenge. But it's a challenge, I think, that we must accept. For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do that. As it is, you boast and you brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he or she ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. I think uh, in, the, in the UCMJ, isn't that Article 39? Isn't Article 39 in the UCMJ, uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice, that it basically it says, if, if, if we have left anything out of any of the other articles, you're guilty here. I mean, it's a catch-all. It's, it's the catch-22. It covers everything else that they've, all, that they've already missed. This is probably one of the most self-incriminating verses that we're ever going to read in Scripture. Because you know what? At the end of the day, you know. You know. I don't have to tell you. You know. I know. This goes back to what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago and the importance of doing that deep dive to really wrestle with our own motives. Why am I making the decisions that I'm making? And are the decisions that I'm making, are they, are they building Others up? Are they building me up or are they tearing others down? Or I make decisions that tear myself down. In the conversations that I have, in the prayers that I offer for others, what is my true motivation? Do I want to see even my enemies succeed? Jesus says that we are to pray for our enemies and to bless those that curse us. I mean, that's just, that's just counterintuitive to the wisdom of the world. But there is a wisdom that comes from above that is life-giving, life-restoring. And that's who Christ wants us to be. People that have an eye for others to love 
And to love is to will the good of another in word and deed, to build people up, to lift them up. Jesus said it. Before before he instituted this sacrament, or the evening that he instituted this sacrament, he says, people, I want you to love the way I have loved you. I have loved you through service and sacrifice. Go serve and sacrifice for others. Because if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be willing to be a servant of others. As we live for others, we live for Christ. And there are all kinds. You can, you can, go, uh, you can go online and you can, you can Google famous last words. Some of my favorite famous last words were from our Lord and Savior, who said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. What a wonderful way to start our day. Lord, this day, I commit my spirit into your hands. Use me, Lord, as your instrument to bring peace, to bring bring grace, to bring forgiveness, to bring understanding. Use me, Lord, to serve as your hands, your feet, your ears. May my words honor and glorify you as I lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ that the world around us might see that God still inhabits the praises of his people and longs for us to return to fellowship with him. Sacrament of communion. A reminder of the ultimate sacrifice that anyone could make. Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And Jesus calls us friends. More than that, he calls us brothers and sisters, adopted into the family of God. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Next uh, Saturday at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary, we are holding a memorial service for Barbara Anderson. It will be her birthday. Uh, She passed away on March 15th of 2020. Uh, If you'll remember, it was two days later, the state closed everything down. And she was here at the second service, and she was full of energy. And after the service, she was flittering about the sanctuary, talking to people, and I was in, out there in the narthex, and she came out, and, and she talked to me and, uh, and, and told me she loved me, and she went home and died. Whenever I do memorial services, I always close with the same line. Life is fragile. 
So never, ever miss an opportunity to tell those who are close to you that you love them. Our words matter. I love you, Andy.